story with me Love who you want to be, who you are Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama G Hello everybody, you are listening to Story Time with Mama G And I am Mama G Thank you for joining me. Before we go any further, don't forget, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You just need to search for at Stories, and I would very much like to hear from you because I have a very important question. Today's episode of Storytime with Mamaji finds us at the end of Kenneth Graham's The Reluctant Dragon, which I really hope you've been enjoying. So tell me, what classic children's story would you like me to serialise next? Let me know. Send me a message on Facebook or Instagram, Mamaji Stories, and I will try and pick my favourite or the most popular. Let's see. Give me some suggestions. But now, if you are listening to this on April the 23rd, 2021, then this is the perfect story for you because it is St. George's Day here in England. Of course, if you're listening anywhere else in the world, which is not England, which I believe is probably about 275 other countries, then it's not the perfect day, but thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy it. And for the brief moment now, you can feel English. Although, spoiler alert, this story doesn't quite end the way that the very, 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 very famous St. George and the Dragon story ends. It's a little bit friendlier, and we all take away a very important lesson. So let's find out what that is, shall we? Here we go. The people began streaming up to the downs at quite an early hour, in their Sunday clothes and carrying baskets with bottlenecks sticking out of them, everyone intent on securing good places for the combat. This was not exactly a simple matter, for of course it was quite plausible that the dragon might win, and in that case even those who had put their money on him felt they could hardly expect him to deal with his backers on a different footing to the rest. Places were chosen, therefore, with circumspection and with a view to a speedy retreat in case of emergency. And the front rank was mostly composed of boys who had escaped from parental control and now sprawled and rolled about on the grass, regardless of the shrill threats and warnings discharged at them by their anxious mothers behind. The boy had secured a good front place, well up towards the cave, and was feeling as anxious as a stage manager on a first night. Could the dragon be depended upon? He might change his mind and vote the whole performance rot, or else 
seeing that the affair had been so hastily planned without even a rehearsal, he might be too nervous to show up. The boy looked narrowly at the cave, but it showed no sign of life or occupation. Could the dragon have made a moonlight flitting? The higher portions of the ground were now black with sightseers, and presently a sound of cheering and a waving of handkerchiefs told that something was visible to them which the boy, far up towards the dragon, end of the line as he was, could not yet see. A minute more, and St. George's red plumes topped the hill as the saint rode slowly forth on the great level space which stretched up to the grim mouth of the cave. Very gallant and beautiful he looked on his tall war horse, his golden armor glancing in the sun, his great spear held erect, the little white pennon crimson-crossed fluttering at its point. He drew rein and remained motionless. The lines of spectators began to give back a little, nervously, and even the boys in front stopped pulling hair and cuffing each other and leaned forward, expectant. Now then, dragon, muttered the boy impatiently, fidgeting where he sat. He need not have distressed himself had he only known. The dramatic possibilities of the thing had tickled the dragon immensely, and he had been up from an early hour preparing for his first public appearance with as much heartiness as if the years had run backwards, and he had been again a little dragonlet, playing with his sisters on the floor of their mother's cave at the game of saints and dragons in which the dragon was bound to win. A low muttering, mingled with snorts, now made itself heard, rising to a bellowing roar that seemed to fill the plain. Then a cloud of smoke obscured the mouth of the cave, and out of the midst of it the dragon himself, shining, sea-blue, magnificent, pranced splendidly forth, and everybody said, Ooh, as if he had been a mighty rocket. His scales were glittering. His long spiky tail lashed his sides. His claws tore up the turf and sent it flying high over his back. And smoke and fire incessantly jetted from his angry nostrils. Oh, well done, dragon, cried the boy excitedly. Didn't think he had it in him, he added to himself. St. George lowered his spear bent his head, dug his heels into his horse's sides, and came thundering over the turf. The dragon charged with a roar and a squeal. A great blue whirling combination of coils and snorts and clashing jaws and spikes and fire. Mist! yelled the crowd. There was a moment's entanglement of golden armor and blue-green coils and spiky tail, and then the great horse, tearing at his bit, carried the saint his spear swung high in the air, almost up to the mouth of the cave. The dragon sat down and barked viciously, while St. George, with difficulty, pulled his horse round into position. End of round one, thought the boy. How well they managed it. But I hope the saint won't get excited. I can trust the dragon all right. What a regular play actor the fellow is. St. George had at last prevailed on his horse to stand steady, and was looking round him as he wiped his brow. Catching sight of the boy, he smiled and nodded, and held up three fingers for an instant. It seems to be all planned out, said the boy to himself. 
Round three is to be the finishing one, evidently. Well, wish it could have lasted a bit longer. Whatever's that old fool of a dragon up to now? The dragon was employing the interval in giving a ramping performance for the benefit of the crowd. Ramping, it should be explained, consists in running round and round in a wide circle and sending waves and ripples of movement along the whole length of your spine from your pointed ears right down to the spike at the end of your long tail. When you are covered with blue scales, the effect is particularly pleasing, and the boy recollected the dragon's recently expressed wish to become a social success. St. George now gathered up his reins and began to move forward, dropping the point of his spear and settling himself firmly in the saddle. Time! yelled everybody excitedly, and the dragon, leaving off his ramping, sat up on end and began to leap from one side to the other with huge ungainly bounds, whooping like a red Indian. This naturally disconcerted the horse, who swerved violently, the saint only just saving himself by the mane, and as they shot past, the dragon delivered a vicious snap at the horse's tail, which sent the poor beast careering madly far over the downs, so that the language of the saint, who had lost a stirrup, was fortunately inaudible to the general assemblage. Round two evoked audible evidence of friendly feeling towards the dragon. The spectators were not slow to appreciate a combatant who could hold his own so well and clearly wanted to show good sport and many encouraging remarks reached the ears of our friend as he strutted to and fro, his chest thrust out and his tail in the air, hugely enjoying his new popularity. St. George had dismounted and was tightening his girths and telling his horse with quite an oriental flow of imagery exactly what he thought of him and his relations and his conduct in the present occasion. So the boy made his way down to the saint's end of the line and held his spear for him. It's been a jolly fight, St. George, he said with a sigh. Can't you let it last a bit longer? Well, uh, I think I'd better not, replied the saint. The fact is, your simple-minded old friend's getting conceited. Now they've begun cheering him, and he'll forget all about the arrangement and take to playing the fool, and there's no telling where he would stop. I'll just finish him off with this round. He swung himself into the saddle and took his spear from the boy. Now, don't you be afraid, he added kindly. I've marked my spot exactly, and he's sure to give me all the assistance in his power, because he knows it's his only chance of being asked to the banquet. St. George now shortened his spear, bringing the butt well up under his arm and instead of galloping as before, trotted smartly towards the dragon, who crouched at his approach, flicking his tail till it cracked in the air like a great cart whip. The saint wheeled as he neared his opponent and circled warily round him, keeping his eye on the spare place, while the dragon, adopting similar tactics, paced with caution round the same circle, occasionally fainting with his head. So the two sparred for an opening while the spectators maintained a breathless silence. Though the round lasted for some minutes, the end was so swift that all the boy saw was a lightning movement of the saint's arm, and then a whirl and a confusion of spines, claws, tail and flying bits of turf. The dust cleared away, the spectators whooped and ran in cheering, 
and the boy made out that the dragon was down, pinned to the earth by the spear, while St. George had dismounted and stood astride of him. It all seemed so genuine that the boy ran in breathlessly, hoping the dear old dragon wasn't really hurt. As he approached, the dragon lifted one large eyelid, winked solemnly, and collapsed again. He was held fast to earth by the neck, but the saint had hit him in the spare place agreed upon, and it didn't even seem to tickle. Ain't you going to cut his head off, master? asked one of the applauding crowd. He had backed the dragon and naturally felt a trifle sore. Well, not today, I think, replied St. George pleasantly. You see, that can be done at any time. There's no hurry at all. I think we'll all go down to the village first and have some refreshment, and then I'll give him a good talking to, and you'll find he'll be a very different dragon. At that magic word, refreshment, the whole crowd formed up in procession and silently awaited the signal to start. The time for talking and cheering and betting was past. The hour for action had arrived. St. George, hauling on his spear with both hands, released the dragon, who rose and shook himself and ran his eye over his spikes and scales and things to see that they were all in order. Then the saint mounted and led off the procession, the dragon following meekly in the company of the boy, while the thirsty spectators kept at a respectful interval behind. There were great doings when they got down to the village again and had formed up in front of the inn. After refreshment, St. George made a speech, in which he informed his audience that he had removed their direful scourge at a great deal of trouble and inconvenience to himself and now they weren't to go about grumbling and fancying they'd got grievances, because they hadn't. And they shouldn't be so fond of fights, because next time they might have to do the fighting themselves, which would not be the same thing at all. And there was a certain badger in the inn stables, which had got to be released at once, and he'd come and see it done himself. Then he told them that the dragon had been thinking over things, and saw that there were two sides to every question, and he wasn't going to do it any more. And if they were good, perhaps he'd stay and settle down there. So they must make friends, and not be prejudiced, and go about fancying they knew everything there was to be known, because they didn't, not by a long way. And he warned them against the sin of romancing, and making up stories, and fancying other people would believe them just because they were plausible and highly coloured. Then he sat down, amidst much repentant cheering, and the dragon nudged the boy in the ribs and whispered that he couldn't have done it better himself. Then everyone went off to get ready for the banquet. Banquets are always pleasant things, consisting mostly, as they do, of eating and drinking. But the specially nice thing about a banquet is that it comes when something's over, and there's nothing more to worry about and tomorrow seems a long way off. St. George was happy because there had been a fight, and he hadn't had to kill anybody, for he didn't really like killing, though he generally had to do it. The dragon was happy because there had been a fight, and so far from being hurt in it, he had won popularity, 
and a sure footing in society. The boy was happy because there had been a fight, and in spite of it all, his two friends were on the best of terms. And all the others were happy because there had been a fight and, well, yeah, they didn't require any other reasons for their happiness. The dragon exerted himself to say the right thing to everybody and proved the life and soul of the evening, while the saint and the boy, as they looked on, felt that they were only assisting at a feast of which the honour and the glory were entirely the dragons. But they didn't mind that, being good fellows, and the dragon was not in the least proud or forgetful. On the contrary, every ten minutes or so he leant over towards the boy and said impressively, Look here, you will see me home afterwards, won't you? And the boy always nodded, though he had promised his mother not to be out late. At last, the banquet was over. The guests had dropped away with many good nights and congratulations and invitations, and the dragon, who had seen the last of them off the premises, emerged into the street, followed by the boy, wiped his brow, sighed, sat down in the road and gazed at the stars. Jolly night it's been, he murmured. Jolly stars. Jolly little place this. Think I shall just stop here. Don't feel like climbing up any beastly hill. Boy's promised to see me home. <laughs> Boy had better do it then. No responsibility on my part. Responsibility all boys. And his chin sank on his broad chest, and he slumbered peacefully. Oh, get up, dragon, cried the boy piteously. You know my mother's sitting up, and I'm so tired. And you made me promise to see you home, and I never knew what it meant, or I wouldn't have done it. And the boy sat down in the road by the side of the sleeping dragon and cried. The door behind them opened. A stream of light illumined the road, and St. George, who had come out for a stroll in the cool night air, caught sight of the two figures sitting there, the great, motionless dragon and the tearful little boy. "'What's the matter, boy?' he inquired kindly, stepping to his side. "'Oh, it's that great lumbering pig of a dragon,' sobbed the boy. First, he makes me promise to see him home, and then he says I'd better do it and goes to sleep. Might as well try to see a haystack home, and I'm so tired. And mother's... Here he broke down again. Now don't take on, said St. George. I'll stand by you, and we'll both see him home. Wake up, dragon, he said sharply, shaking the beast by the elbow. The dragon looked up sleepily. What a night, George, he murmured. What a... Now look here, dragon, said the saint firmly. Here's this little fellow, waiting to see you home. And you know he ought to have been in bed these two hours. And what his mother will say, I don't know. And anybody but a selfish pig would have made him go to bed long ago. And he shall go to bed, cried the dragon, starting up. Poor little chap. Only fancy his being up at this hour. It's a shame, that's what it is. And I don't think, St. George, you've been very considerate. But come along at once, and don't let us have any more arguing or shilly-shallying. You give me hold of your hand, boy. Thank you. George, an arm up the hill is just what I wanted. So they set off up the hill, arm in arm. The saint, the dragon, and the boy. The lights in the little village began to go out. 
there were stars and a late moon as they climbed to the downs together. And as they turned the last corner and disappeared from view, snatches of an old song were borne back on the night breeze. I can't be certain which of them was singing, but I think it was the dragon. And there we have it, the end of The Reluctant Dragon by Kenneth Graham. I really hope you enjoyed the story. I thought it was a rather marvellous story, and St. George did have some rather salient points at the end about different people living together and benefiting from being different. And so thank you, St. George and Kenneth Graham, for those wise words. Now, a little bit of fun, Reluctant Dragon trivia especially if you have Disney Plus. There is a film on Disney Plus from 1941, which is a very long time ago, or maybe sometime in the 50s. It's still, it's a very long time ago, called The Reluctant Dragon. And it looks like it's going to be a cartoon, and indeed it is ever so slightly. But the first hour or so of it is a behind-the-scenes tour of the Walt Disney Studios and I found it absolutely fascinating because now of course they can make the movies on computers pretty much and that must be much simpler for them but a long time ago they had to draw every 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 millisecond of a film out by hand get it all painted all the different people drawing all the characters had to make sure that each version of the character looked the same then they had to take a photo of each each shot on a very big camera. Then they added sound effects in the most marvellous ways. There were people that could make the sound of chickens and all sorts. And I thought this was absolutely fascinating. So if you've got Disney+, Plus, do look up The Reluctant Dragon. And then eventually you get to watch The Reluctant Dragon. But guess what? I haven't got to that point yet. I know, isn't that silly? I stopped and then I keep forgetting to watch it. Um, but you do see a bit of a Donald Duck cartoon and then you watch the storyboard of another cartoon called Baby Weens, which is a bit weird actually. Um, but I would really recommend you take a look at this movie, The Reluctant Dragon, because it's like history, but it's fun, in it? And now, let's have the book of the week. <laughs> Now, I realised that it would be pretty daft to be telling the story of the Reluctant Dragon for the third week in a row 
and not have The Reluctant Dragon as the book of the week. So that, my friends, is what I am doing. So this shall be short and sweet because you already know the story. But I do think I found a rather special version of The Reluctant Dragon because you might have realised when you were listening to the story that some of Kenneth Graham's words and the way he put sentences together are a little bit complicated because he wrote the book uh, like a hundred years ago and back then people spoke English a little bit differently than we do now and that might put you off wanting to read it which I would understand but I have found a version of the book um, which is based on the story by Kenneth Graham it's been adapted by a writer called Katie Danes and it's got illustrations by Fred Blunt and who doesn't love Fred Blunt's work his drawings are the most fun ever and this is a Osborne first reading book which means the story and the language that's used has been simplified so we can really help uh, younger people get excited about reading these classic stories and a very good thing is you can get two versions of the book well, actually, you can get three versions of it. You can get a version that you can just read by yourself. You can get a version with a CD so that reads along with you. And you can also just get the ebook. But of course, if you get the ebook, though, no, I was about to say something silly. Phew, I stopped myself. The e. No, no, okay. The ebook has narration in British English, uh, but only on tablets that support audio. Because I was about to say, if you get the ebook, then you'll miss out on the pictures. But then I got confused because I'd got something around the wrong way. So I am going to recommend to you The Reluctant Dragon, adapted by Katie Danes with illustrations by Fred Blunt and published by Osborne. And if you would like to buy the book, all you need to do is go to bookshop.org, uh, look for my affiliate page, and all the books that I recommend on this podcast are listed there. And not only do you support the authors and myself you also support your local independent bookstore if you're still not sure about going out and visiting them in person so that is the reluctant dragon by katie danes and fred blunt published by usborne publishing Thank you for joining me for another story time with Mama G and I hope you've enjoyed all the reluctant dragon fun that we've been having over the last three weeks. Don't forget to let me know on Facebook, Instagram or YouTube uh, what classic story you would like me to read on the next few episodes. All you need to do is just search for at Mama G Stories and you can send me a whole list, send me a favourite and then I will choose a fabulous book for us to share together. And uh, fortunately, things are starting to open up again here in England. And I have a few live performances planned, the first of which is on June the 19th at the Squish Theatre, which is a new kids venue in Camberley, supported by Camberley Theatre. June the 19th at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. And I shall be performing Mamaji's Storytime Roadshow. It's going to be absolutely marvellous. If you would like to book tickets and you would like to join me there, then just find the link in the description. 
And also, I'm going to be heading to Glowworm Festival in August with my good friend Elmer, the patchwork elephant. I am very excited about that. That is going to be lots of fun. That's on the 14th and the 15th of August. So you can join me there as well. And you'll also get to meet Andy and the Odd Socks, Dr. Ranj, uh, Entrance, who are an electric pop duo. Uh, lots of people, Paddington Bear, Bing, the Furchester Gang. A lot. Well, it's just going to be marvellous. It's going to be an amazing weekend. And I am so excited. But most importantly, uh, I will see you here next week. Goodbye. It's story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama.